Welcome to the Jay LaRock Show. I'm your host, Jay LaRock. We are powered by ObsoleteGamer.com and the Mascot Studios Podcast Network. You can find our podcast on Himalaya, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are found. In the age of self-promotion, the idea of turning oneself into a brand may seem like a no-brainer. But imagine a time before Twitter and Instagram, when people and companies alike didn't know whether to treat video games as emerging juggernaut or just kid stuff. In the early 2000s, Jonathan Wendell, aka Fatality, was already on top of his game, winning multiple tournaments and cementing himself as one of the top professional gamers in the world. But even though winning tournaments and receiving the prize money was a great thing, there was another step to be made, going from a name to a brand. We begin our series on the business of gaming with Fatality and how he first made that move from a world champion to an international brand name. Yeah, so um, I would say, you know, obviously when I was a teenager, I didn't think anything of uh, being a professional gamer and, and creating a business and incorporating myself. Um, as I turned pro when I was 18 and until I was about 21, I won, already won a bunch of championships. I already won uh, the biggest tournaments in Asia, the biggest tournaments in Europe, the biggest tournaments in America. And so I was kind of on this fast track of, you know, making a living uh, and showing people that, you know, you can really make a full-time living from playing video games. Um, during that time, you know, I actually didn't even know I was famous yet. Um, you know, people, you know, I just thought, I was just being interviewed and talking about what I was doing and so forth. And yeah, I was winning the money. I mean, I knew my, I knew the people I competed against, you know, uh, knew who I was. <laughs> Obviously they're trying to beat me. Um, but uh, it was just, so, it was so new and so fresh. Uh, and I was, and I was so young at the same time. Um, I, so yeah, when I turned uh, 21 or so, um, one of my friends, uh, he told me, he goes, Hey, um, you know, you're really like, you're really popular, like you should do something with it. And um, I was just about to be featured on MTV True Life. I'm a gamer, and they're doing a documentary on me. Um, and I was like, Oh, this is awesome. Like, you know, and my friend was like, you really need to start something out of this. So that's what got kind of my idea about creating an incorporation and so forth to maximize my free PR that I was getting on MTV True Life. Uh, so I was thinking about it, and then um, I basically just started acting on it. Um, I, I wanted to create a logo, um, so my roommate at the time, uh, he was a really good artist, and I asked him, I was like, hey, would you mind making me a bunch of logos, and we'll keep improvising and changing it um, and go from there. Like, but uh, So he started working on my logo, and I told him I wanted my logo to be, represent uh, me being from the Midwest, me being from Missouri, you know, lightning, tornado, and it looks like an F for fatality. Um, so I like weather a lot. I think weather is amazing. I think it's uh, unbelievable when it's really going, like when there's wind blowing sideways and there's lightning and tornadoes, like it's just a lot of energy, a lot of, electric a lot of electricity. Um, so that's how I started uh, – the idea around my logo and then obviously i found a lawyer um who could help incorporate myself so he could help me trademark my logo uh tr you know uh wordmark my name fatality and 
uh, go down that road. Yeah, and that the cool thing about that is that once you have that name, and that and then for a lot of people they don't may not understand, especially if they're like very young, that back then you didn't have you know like the social media, you didn't have Twitter to go out there and just put something out there. Uh, a lot of times people were still depending on just your regular broadcast, you know, like said going on and things like that. Um, once you had like the company established as far as people coming to you what was that like first when someone came to you and said hey could you also endorse this brand because I know that that can even be a hard choice you know sometimes people are just excited to get their first endorsement or have someone ask you to promote something but at the same time if you're trying to build a brand maybe you're more cautious to, hey, I'm not going to put my name on this. What was your process and what was it like when you first had the chance to actually promote something like that? Well, I mean, obviously, before I started Fatality, I was sponsored a lot and so forth. And, you know, I, I um, you know, these companies were wanting to give me free product and so forth and promote the product in some way, you know, and so forth. But, you know, the thing is, you have to make money in the day as a business. So, you, if you do everything as a hobby, you're, it's always going to be a hobby. You know, you got to make, um, you got to find out ways to monetize, you know, what you're doing at the time and, and find ways to make revenue. If you want to keep doing this as a full-time job, if it's a hobby for you, then just, you know, have fun doing it and play around have a good time, whatever deal is. But at the end of the day, eventually you're going to have to make a decision in your life where, okay, I got to stop playing games and get back to like traditional work or whatever the deal is. Um, so, you know, for me taking on deals, like I, I was trying to find those deals. I mean, I was, you know, I was asking this guy, Hey, you should, re you should be my agent and you should go find me deals. And he'd go out and talk to all the different people. It's like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll give him a graphic card. Like, uh, pff, that doesn't do anything for me. Does I, does it not turn the needle or, you know, yeah, you saved me a thousand bucks or 500 bucks, whatever it was for the, the graphic card. But like, that's not enough to like, you know, pay barely a month of rent <laughs> um so uh so basically i started uh traveling to our tournaments and then after one of the tournaments i won i, I started using my tournaments as like a catapulting uh opportunity to approach sponsors so after i won a championship in sweden i approached uh one of the sponsors and i says hey you should sponsor me and they're like well we already sponsor these guys why would we sponsor you and it's like well i'm the best in the world you know and i have to sell my own story because i don't have an agent i don't have a lawyer i have to i have to represent myself and you know i'm only 18 19 years old at the time uh so um basically i started you know they were intrigued by uh my my story and i was like you know there's a tournament coming up in in, in the summer and you're the title sponsor of the event wouldn't you want the person winning the tournament to be represented by you guys you know and so i sold them on that idea kind of like a little scare tactic it's like oh this guy might win the whole thing and not be represented by the us or the title sponsor and so um yeah like literally like the day the day later we're at the airport and the baggage claim and he says okay we'll pay you <laughs> so it was, it was kind of funny how uh the early days of getting sponsored came together but as time went on you know i didn't want to be sponsored as much because I saw Fatality Brand as, um, you know, a company that makes products for gamers. So I looked at it very much differently than, um, 
you know, most of the industry, they, they wanted to make their own products and so forth. But um, I was very excited about making my own product under the fatality brand and making, uh, you know, making mouse pads was my first uh, product I made and then eventually evolved to, you know, everything else, motherboards, sound cards, um, graphic cards, keyboards, uh, made a mouse once, uh, um, you know, motherboards was probably my biggest seller. Uh, well, actually sound cards and headphones were my number one seller. Um, but, uh, yeah, I had, I had, I had turned down a lot of companies, um, to make fatality Pacific product. And that was just evolution of me being in a powerful position to ask for it, you know? Um, but at the beginning, you're just trying to get a deal where it pays the bills. And what's interesting about that, especially what you said about making things for gamers is um, back in the day, when people still wasn't really sure exactly what to think, especially in computer gaming, because a lot of people were either pointing towards like the big company that were putting games together, uh, you know, like Alienware and Falcon Northwest and Voodoo and things like that. But once people were more willing to build their own PCs, I think it kind of expanded how to sell these products because now they were talking to gamers that knew what they wanted. Um, I myself had your sound card with Creative Labs and I read about how it's like, oh, you can hear the footsteps of people walking up behind you. And it's like, that was like, to me, at, at least from what I saw, I mean, I'm not, I'm not gonna say I, I read every single sound card, but that was the first time I heard someone talk about something like that, which spoke to me because those are games that I was playing, getting shot in like Quake and stuff like that. Yeah. How much, um, like, I know with like mouse pads, you're directly using it, but how much input did you put into each product that had your name on it? Um, as much as I could, you know, so like the headphones, for example, um, I chose like kind of, you know, the design that was the options that were given to me. Uh, I chose the fabric that was on the ears. I, I created the removable microphone that was on the uh, headset. So it's versatile, not only for gaming, but people could just wear these headphones out in the, out, out in the world. Um, and, so, you know, in some, th some products, I definitely have a lot more say in how it's designed. Um, you know, when it gets to like something very technical, like a motherboard, um, you know, for a motherboard, it's, you know, there's not really much you can do besides, you know, like, you know, you're talking to the manufacturers, like I need to make sure that this can game at the highest level. I need to make sure I can overclock it and it can handle intensive game loads because when I'm playing games, the computer's going to be under a lot of heat, a lot of pressure, and I need to be able to, you know, have the computer work, you know, hours on end. I'm playing eight hours a day or more. Um, so when you're talking to these manufacturers, like, okay, well, we need to do this, we need to do that and, and so on forth. And they've already, they already kind of know, like, you know, people like to overclock, overclock their computers, but like for gamers, like we're trying to get every ounce of, uh, or every percentage um, advantage that we can possibly get in gaming, like we're competing. I mean, obviously in tournaments, you're not, everyone's using the same computer in tournaments, but um, when you're at home, you want to have that edge and you want to get the most frame rate as possible. So overclocking is very vital for motherboards. Um, for sound card, you know, I mean, you know, it was kind of funny when uh, when Creative Labs was hitting me up about the sound card, they were, tell, they were asking me, what would you like to see in a sound card? And then um, I was trying to explain to them, I was like, well, I would like to see the sound like load go off the computer and go onto the sound chip. Like, like, like if, like if sound blaster had a, a chip, 
I would like for the sound to be loaded onto that chip because if the sound gets loaded on the chip, um, then I, I would get more frames in the game because I've done tests where I did like time trials and like a, a demo. Like I used, to, I used to be like really hardcore about like tweaking a setting and then seeing how many frames I get, tweak a setting, see how many frames I get. And I noticed when I removed the sound, the, like the sound from the game, I got almost twice as many frames uh, in Quake. And I was like, oh my God, like, it's like the Holy Grail, like, you know. And so when I told them on that on the phone about doing a chip on the sound card, they were like, wow, how did you know that? And I was like, well, I just do a lot of testing and, and so forth. It's like, well, that's, that's our future product. That's XFi. And uh, I was like, no way. Like, <laughs> so that's when they knew that I knew what I was talking about and I know I need to play as a gamer. And so, yeah, just kind of, you know, they knew, they knew I knew what was going on. And uh, it was a lot, a lot of fun working with them uh, in the early days. And obviously we sold a ton of Fatality sound cards uh, with, with Sound Blaster and Creative Labs. And um, yeah, it was one, definitely one of my top, top products. And as far as the difference between just being yourself, letting your gaming do the talking, being a spokesperson for like different products, what was was there any challenge in that or was it kind of like a seamless transition between the two uh from like gaming and business yes yeah so i mean well the thing is gaming takes all your time uh business takes all your time as well um so it, i was in a crossroad of handling all of it um you know because i still have to train i saw the win like you know winning for three years is you know i when my eyes was not enough to prove my legacy in esports you know and and to be like a, a gamer not forgotten kind of thing because like you know i feel like there's some gamers in the past that were amazingly talented at one game but then they all of a sudden they disappear and you never hear from their you never hear their name ever again and so i was always trying to make sure that i was not that guy um and so that's why i played all the games i played as hard as i played for so long because you know i want to create a legacy of of you know dominating people and shooters and and being one of the, you know, the, the all-time greats in first-person shooter arena. Um, so I, I had like a, a big goal um, in front of me and, you know, I, I was doing whatever it took to, to get there. Um, but yeah, the business side was kind of overwhelming because like I remember, you know, after the MTV thing and launching the mousepad business, I mean, I, for like, you know, for the first four months, I mean, I was selling a lot of mouse pads. I was making like five or 10 grand a month selling mouse pads. And I was like, wow, this is really amazing. Like I really got a bit more energy and focus on this. So I started calling, I started spending all day calling companies and tr trying to find more products to make under the Fatality brand. And just, you know, my goal was just to make it myself, like find the manufacturer, you know, make the product with them that's specific built for gamers and, and, you know, and have it be a Fatality product. And so uh, the second company I called after my mouse pads was a keyboard company that had this backlit technology um, on the keyboard. And back then, backlit keyboards did not exist yeah. in gaming. And so um, I was just always thinking one step ahead. I mean, you look at the industry now, there's there's every every keyboard has LED underneath it, you know? I mean, this was my ideas back in like 2002, 2003. So I was just way ahead of the curve um, in ideas and concepts around this. And, you know, end up the company I called up for the, the keyboard idea, they had expertise in, in building IP and building brands. Um, they came from a, they came from previous success of building the body glove brand. If you know that it's a, 
It's a wetsuit surfer, surfer brand. Um, ironically, the, the founders of that brand were also from Missouri, <laughs> but uh, it's really a, a West Coast, California brand kind of thing. Um, and so I, anyways, I was, uh, I basically brought them on and we did a deal where I had like a four-year contract as them, as my, uh, my master, uh, uh license, uh, agent, um, uh, or agreement. So I had an MLA with them. And so they, we just started doing business and they started handling the, the more business side. And then I started keep focusing on winning tournaments and training as hard as I could to win tournaments and be in the position to, uh, launch the fatality brand the best way as possible. So yeah, that was, uh, it was definitely vital to have a business team, um, when I was doing what I was doing, because, you know, to be the best in the world at anything, it takes all your time. Like you really, there's no way you can do every, everything yourself. It's impossible. Uh, so you have to find good people around you. And if you get yourself in a position where, you know, you're overloaded, you, you really need to bring on a partner. You need to bring on a best friend or someone that's knowledgeable in that space, um, to help run that side of the business, because, it will take up all, it will take up all your time and then you'll be sacrificing quality on one side or the other. And could you, uh, I'm kind of curious about the energy snacks uh, because, you know, obviously there's always stereotypes that we always have to fight against and people always yeah. think that we're just pounding down do. But I remember talking to you before about how you prepare yourself, your mind and your body to play games because it is a sport. Like people always want to debate that, but you know, I know that a lot of people may look at all the different products and be like, oh, okay, all this stuff makes sense. But then energy snacks, sometimes they think about it as a gimmick. And in this case, it's not. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, I mean, I mean, I'm not sure about energy snacks and, and, and overall being like a healthy option, but uh, you know, uh, I'm not really sure. Like if I understand the energy snacks, uh, what like exactly what energy snack you're talking about but like i mean for me i was always pretty uh level-headed when i went to tournaments um i didn't drink a lot of caffeine i didn't um i didn't do anything crazy like my my diet was i'd have a big breakfast before a tournament a, bi a big a big one and then uh i would digest for like two hours or so or you know maybe even three hours if i was lucky and uh and then i play my first match of the day and i just drink water basically the rest of the day until i was done with my tournaments and then i would have um i'd have food um after my final match and the reason why i did this because i this is how i performed the best i mean i was i always a b test myself a lot just testing different ways of eating and when should i eat and so forth because i was always afraid of like food coma like always like getting tired during a match or not being as fast or my reflexes were a little bit down or whatever the deal was. So um, eating properly uh, to me was very important in my professional career and, and to make sure that my, my sensors were always heightened. And I felt like I was best when I was hungry. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's kind of like, you know, how I did it when I was younger and, that's about it. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because see, what happened is I saw uh, um, an advertisement for like gamer food that you. That oh, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's what I was curious about. I was like, because because I was reading it and I was like, oh, no, this is healthy. And I'm like, you know, that's really cool because a lot of people think that we're not, you were just eating junk food. 
Yeah, yeah. So that was a d- deal that I did with uh, the snack company, whoever deal was. And it was like he- healthier options for snacks instead of like pounding down Doritos and stuff. Right. Um, and, you know, I was way ahead of my time. I mean, look at now, like there's G Fuel and all these other companies that, you know, all these people are making snacks for gamers and, uh, you know, drinks and, you know, even Mountain Dew has Game Fuel now. And, every, you know, everyone has like their game thing. Um but yeah, that was like a healthier option for the snacks and so forth. But end up that, that company was kind of a flop, you know, so I ended up leaving them. Um, we did like one promotion together and then basically, you know, they weren't working out uh, as I saw fit for the brand. So we parted ways um, and th- that was that, you know. Um, but yeah, they had, they had, you know, we had a lot of fun with that, you know, at, at the beginning and so forth. And it was I think we were just way ahead of our time uh, for doing snacks for gamers. Going back to like in the beginning when you were doing more like uh, like a promotion, not nece- necessarily something from the Fatality brand. Was there ever a product that you regretted, uh, you know, sponsoring or saying that that you used? No, I mean not 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 really. I mean, uh, you know, there was always a reason behind it. You know, the gamer food thing was uh, we were supposed to make like caffeinated like gum, like to give people a little bit of a, a spike of energy. Like, but the correct amount that wouldn't give you the jitters. So our, our goal there was, you know, obviously make these healthy snacks, whatever deal is, but then it was also to make um, like a, ca- a caffeinated gum uh, for gamers that when they're at tournaments, they don't, you know, they can be more optimal when they're in the tournament. Uh, so we were trying to, we were exploring with that idea um, around people just being sharper and, and uh, more precise in tournament time and trying to work on the health and the, make sure people were just playing to their full potential. And that was the whole message behind Fatality Brand in general. It's like, I make a bigger mouse pad so you can you know, aim better. You make a better sound card so you can hear people. I make a better motherboard so you can see more frames. You know, like the the brand is always based around helping the gamer, the user be a better version of, of themselves. And if you win or lose, it's you who won or lost. And it's not your, not your equipment that failed you. So that was always my message and mindset around those products. Um, but yeah, I, I, don't, I don't regret any of the companies we really worked with. I mean, there was always a mission there to help gamers out and, and to, you know, help even for me myself to play better, you know? So um, I think it was worth, you know, diving down all those roads to kind of find out what was available. And I, you know, I wish there was more companies we would worked at early in the early days. I mean, there's one company that I wanted, to, you know, we were working with, but they end up, they just didn't meet the needs and we had to separate from them because we were going to make a gaming desk, like a, a desk for gamers, uh, just like a, you know, a nice gaming desk, but like the desk was going to have cable management and it was going to be a smoked blast, uh, uh, table. I mean, the thing is the table itself was going to cost like 500 bucks or a thousand bucks. I mean, it was, it was going to be expensive. And, um, they just like they're like oh we can't make we can't make what you want they made like two prototypes of the of the um of the table and it was dope i thought it was awesome <laughs> it's like i was like Dude, this is great like caveman was there like you know it's a smoke glass uh thick piece of glass uh table um super flat um doesn't bow like a wood table um you know there's all these like benefits of having a table 
like what I was creating, but unfortunately they didn't want to invest all the time and money. And they just thought the market for people buying things was, you know, a hundred, $200 table uh, where I was like, no, nah, I want to make a $500 table. I want to make a thousand dollar table. I want to make a real table, you know, for gamers. Like, cause this is like a, something that people are going to buy and they're going to have for a long time if they're really into it. So anyways, that was like my one product I thought that got away from me. And um, I, I really wanted to make that product. Uh, just unfortunately, uh, the company wanted to make like a, a very standard table that was basically had no cable management, nothing. It was just a table. And I was like, how is this a gaming table? Period. Like, how is it? I don't understand. Like, I can just go out and buy a table at, at whatever store and it's the same thing. So it was kind of frustrating. That's why I, I ended up not working with them. Yeah, that's interesting because they must have not seen how many people were buying like Falcon Northwest Voodoo PC. You know, it's like those were not cheap computers. I mean, we're talking about these were the days when you had on the other side gateway PCs that were cheap. But people that were spending on these high end gaming computers, whether you were building them with, you know, your your Voodoo, Voodoo 2s and SLI, those things are expensive. So, I mean, I definitely know that there was a, a market for gamers for those higher price point. Which actually brought, uh, brings me to my next question as far as advertising. Um, I think another thing that you were ahead in is how to advertise to gamers, because I think a lot of people were still struggling with that. It's like half of them wanted to push the product as almost like a toy, like it's children. But at the same time, they know that these products cost more. So you have to have disposable income. So you have to be a little bit older or hope your parents would get it. And I always saw that you know, any advertising, whether it was print magazine or video or something like that, it really did speak to gamers uh, better. Did you have input in how your products were presented advertising wise to gamer or was that more well, up to the Yeah, people? of course. I mean, uh, you know, I work with the marketing team, uh, you know, at Creative Labs or wherever company I work with and we do it all together. And also the thing with me is that you're getting an authentic, true story. You know, it's not like I'm like, dude, if we make it green and like, we just say it's awesome, they'll come, you know, like, like we got to put LED lights everywhere, like, you know, whatever, whatever the story is. Right. And then it was like, so for me, it was, you know, I wasn't like a, you know, I wasn't just trying to be someone I was, I was doing what I was doing. So for me, I had an authentic true story and I'm trying to talk from the heart of like why I use this and why this is important. So my messaging always came across a lot better than other companies trying to be a fake gaming brand. Uh, and, and, you know, just say, Oh, it's for gaming, you know, because we have gaming in the title of the, of the, of the product. <laughs> so uh, that was always like, you know, these, these companies had no idea what a gaming product was. I mean, they were like, I, they like, I remember like these this one company made like this mouse and this other company made uh, this keyboard and they were a complete shit. They were so bad. And I was like, why do you think this is a gaming product? This thing is horrible. And, uh, and you know, the sensors like erratic, you can't move it fast. Uh, the keyboard, you can't, there's collision of keys. Like if I hit AS the space bar, the space bar doesn't work. Uh, I was like, there's so many flaws in these two products. That it's unbelievable that you call it a gaming product. And, you know, the thing is, a lot of the industry just doesn't know, you know, gamers don't know because they're just buying products for their first time. They just assume that it's a, it's a, it says gaming on it, so it must be a gaming product. But in reality, it's like if you want to play at the top level and do all the cool stuff, you know, you got to have the right right equipment to do it with. So, 
Yeah, it's, it's it's the same thing with any other sport. Like when you're selling a bat, you know, they're they're talking to people about how important it is to have this type of bat, this type of glove. But in the in the beginning, you had gaming companies that didn't really know how to to advertise that, and it's probably because they just didn't have that much interaction with a- actual professional gamers. Um, my last question is is about Twitch. Um, I saw. I started following you again when you were on Twitch and I saw you build up that channel to where it's it's like successful now. And I know that a lot of gamers always have um, questions about, you know, how do I build my channel up? And I know a lot of answers I always get is about treating it like a business, keep going at it. And of course, with your business background, your gaming background, you already had those tools. Can you just give us a little bit about how you built up your Twitch channel over these last couple of months? Um, well, you know, I've been on Twitch for a long time. I, I wouldn't really say my Twitch channel is that successful. Like, I, I would say it's it's still kind of unknown to the popular, you know, the to the, you know to the mass po- population. You know, like you know, I have like what fifty two thousand followers on there, whatever deal is. It's still not as much as I should have. I mean, I think I should have you know a million plus. Um, but also, I I I saw mistakes I made along the way of streaming for the last three plus years, you know, like, um, and that was just like you know funneling traffic in from other sources, you know. Um, if you are trying to create a Twitch channel or any live streaming uh, channel, um, I think it's very important to be on all of your different uh, social platforms to make sure you point to one destination you want everyone to go to to engage with you. So. If you're on YouTube and you're on Twitter and you're on Facebook and you're on uh, Instagram, you're on all these different platforms, they all need to point to one spot where you want all your traffic to go to because you're trying to build up your traffic. And um, this is one, you know, like I said, like I just did Twitch for like three years straight, just only Twitch, like nothing else. Like I was like stubborn about it. And, uh, you know, and, you know, it didn't lead to, you know, 10,000 subs or 20,000 subs or whatever deal is it it led to my audience that came and found me were always surprised. They're all, Oh my God, you stream. Uh, And they, they would come and they would watch me play. And they're like, wow, this is like the, you know, this is the amazing, like kind of like personal touch kind of experience because my chat's not going crazy, but the people that are in there, they're like totally into it. Cause like, they're like, wow, like, I feel like I'm really here. And so I have like a very good connection with some of the uh, users that come into the channel. Um, Cause I have a smaller channel, but in reality, I mean like for business wise, I'd much rather have a bigger channel and just like, like going for it, you know? Uh, but yeah, I think like my advice, if you're trying to live stream and so forth, is just building up all your, tra- all your traffic from all your different uh, platforms and make sure they all shoot to one point. So uh, if you're making YouTube videos, make sure you point back to Twitch. You're making Facebook content, make sure you point back to Twitch. You're making Instagram content, make sure you point back to Twitch. Like whatever the deal is, you got to make sure you're building that traffic up so people know where you are. And like I was always told, like, oh, consistency is everything. Like streaming the same time every day and doing that is the way to go. I did that. I did that crap for you know a year or two or more, maybe th- almost three years. And uh, I would say it. It. it me streaming at the same time every day did not help. <laughs> That's not the only thing. There's so much more to it. There's building that traffic up and getting, you know, the eyeballs, however you get the eyeballs, you know, and, and building your fan base uh, that way. I mean, eventually at the end of the three years, like I, got, I think I got up to over like 200 concurrent viewers uh, whenever I live stream. 
And that was cool and all, but like, you know, for me, like, you know, I'm expecting thousands, if not tens of thousands. So um, for, for my own, you know, ego, I guess you could say like, I was like, ah, well, you know, maybe Twitch is not for me so much, you know, but I still love live streaming. I still love playing. Um, so that's why I still stream when I do. I, I stream whenever I want to now. I don't try to, I'm not trying to game it, you know, I'm just, you know, if I, I catch a windfall, uh, you know, somehow I, I catch a windfall, but if not, you know, I'm just going to keep kind of going at it slowly and having fun with it and trying to build the traffic up from different platforms and so forth. But like you said, it's a job. Like you have to create content every day on YouTube. You have to create content everywhere, every day. You have to be like nonstop, relentless about it. Then also you have to be entertaining. You have to be like, you know, why are people coming to your channel to watch you? You know, if they can get the same kind of entertainment from someone else and they like someone else's uh, attitude or uh, the way they talk or whatever the deal is, they're going to go there. You know, they're going to go wherever they want to. So you constantly have to be doing collabs with other gamers and trying to, you know, you, you know, you're, you want to play with them, but, you know, you're also doing it to cross pollinate your community with their community. And, 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 and there'll be some trickle effect of you doing that relationship together where you'll get some of their viewers now. Um, so, you know, doing collabs and all that kind of stuff is, is, uh, is useful because people discover you and then they're like, Oh, well, he plays with one of the guys I like, maybe I should watch him. And then you build up your fan base that way. And you keep kind of doing that over and over again until you get to a point of where, you know, you have, you have like, you know, the most, some of the most viewers you possibly have. And then, you know, you try to cross, cross pollinate with another user that has the same amount of followers you have and just kind of keep building that way. That, that, that's good advice, um, especially for anyone out there that's brand new, because, I mean, there's a lot of people, especially during COVID, trying to give this thing a shot. They figure, hey, you know, the way jobs are and going, maybe they can turn in. So I want to say thank you very much for spending some time with us talking about the business of gaming. No worries. Pleasure to help. And uh, whenever you have a chance, come watch me live stream. <laughs> Definitely, if you guys want to see Fatality play, head on over to his Twitch channel. Just remember, it's F-A-T-A-L-1-T-Y. Now, it's always important to remember that whether you're an influencer, you're trying to promote a Twitch page, or a podcast, that the business of gaming can have all types of facets that you'll have to go down. Sometimes you'll have people sending you all types of products that they want you to promote. And it may be hard to turn them away, especially if you're trying to make ends meet. But depending on what you're trying to do, you may want to think about how you want to put your name and your brand onto a product and what that could lead to into the future. There are many pitfalls out there and unfortunately a lot of us has fallen into them, which is one of the reasons why I want to bring to you different people who have been successful in business, especially related to gaming, so that you can see do's and don'ts so you can be successful in the businesses that you're hoping to create. We'll be back soon with another podcast. Until then, thank you for listening.